This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? How has your week been? I'm doing good. Nothing too exciting. Um, how are you? I am doing very well. It's been a, a good week. We've been decorating for Halloween, just watching my kid get super excited all day she's been like have a spooktacular day so she's really into the spirit which is awesome because it's my absolute favorite holiday of all the holidays so we've been decorating and stuff like that and i'm just waiting for a couple years down the line where i can start showing her like scary movies and stuff and because i think she's going to be a lot like me where she's really into the holiday so i don't know it's it's been good also we got some time to hang out with some of our patrons this week which was really cool that was so much fun. Oh, yeah. Just hanging out and getting to know each other and catching up with old friends and stuff like that. So thank you if you're one of the patrons who joined us. We really do appreciate you coming and spending time with us. I think we may have to do something like that for some folks in the Facebook group, too, because it was just so much fun. I loved meeting everybody. I think it'd be really cool to kind of do it with a few more folks. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I had so much fun. It was nice. Everybody's like, OK, we're going to bed. We're going to bed. I'm like, I could stay and talk to everybody all night long. I know we scheduled it for an hour and I think we ended up going for almost like an hour and a half. And then everyone was like, okay, we got to go to bed. But the next one we do, maybe we do a little bit early. I know, you know, we just fit them in where we can with work schedules and stuff like that, but it was such a blast and just so cool to get to sit and hang out. And I mean, we didn't even really talk about the show much. We just talked about like personal lives and got to know Mm -hmm. people and it was, it was really cool. Since we were talking about Halloween and you and Millie decorating and it being your favorite holiday, Should we go ahead and like tell our listeners what we have coming up this month? Let's do it because ever since I did the John Versations podcast, Halloween has been one of my favorite times to podcast because we are going to be having the incredible, the super talented, one of my favorite people in the whole world, Jessica Gomez. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while, 
you'll know she was our really our first official like guest last year. We really haven't had one since. Uh, I know you know, Megan was on and had shared you know her experience, but this was like our first guest for like a whole episode. So the amazing Jessica Gomez is going to be joining us for our Halloween episode this year, which I'm super excited about. If you want to learn more about her, she has written a book called The Realist Bride. You can buy it on Amazon. Also, she writes an article called, pardon my language, but it's Fuck, Scare, Kill. You can read it on a website called All Horror. She does some great movie reviews. So just, I, I don't know, I'm pumped. She's is one of my favorite people to podcast with, so I'm super excited she's coming back this year. Yeah, I can't wait to do that episode. I love it. It's something different. And we just get to hear what she has to say and what stories she brings. Yeah. And we've been kicking back a few stories back and forth. And so mm-hmm. I, regardless of which one we pick, I know it's going to be a really good episode. So make sure you were staying tuned for, for that because this Halloween episode this year is going to be really, really good. But enough about what is coming up. Let's get into what we are talking about today. Olivia, we are back after that weird kind of vacation kind of thing. We are back with normal format. Hopefully y'all enjoyed Squatters in the Attic Part 2 last week. But this week is an Olivia case. Talk to us a little bit about what you got. Super excited to get into it. This week we're going to New York and not too long ago, actually to 2012. So Adam and Rose Chase were a young couple living in Stanley, New York. And Stanley is a small town located in central New York State in Ontario County. The young couple met in high school. But Adam dropped out of school before graduating. He was the only boy of three children from his parents, Lyndon and Sylvia. His dad was a farmer and his mom worked at a local school. And Adam would marry Rose shortly after she graduated. In 2008, the couple welcomed a baby boy, Tristan. Adam and Rose had been married for around a decade. Rose worked at a factory that made BB guns. She was social, enjoying being around people, whereas Adam was more of an introvert. He worked for a call center, and in his free time, he mostly stayed home and played video games. Adam also had a history of depression and would withdraw from others. He did not have many friends outside of his family, but the one thing Adam did adore was his four-year-old son. Now, in the summer of 2012, Adam's family member received a text picture of what appeared to be Rose kissing another man on a park bench. On June 14th, the photo was shared with Adam and he and Rose decided to call in sick to work that day, planning to discuss what this meant for their marriage. Adam's mother agreed to watch their son while the couple talked, and later that day, Rose arrived to pick up Tristan from her in-law's house. She told Sylvia that she and Adam had gotten into an argument. Adam punched the wall and stormed out of the house. She said he left around 11 a.m., leaving his keys and wallet behind. Now two days would pass, and no one heard from 31-year-old Adam Chase. His family grew worried when they realized that Rose had not heard from Adam either. Sylvia questioned Rose as to why she did not call them to see if Adam had gone to his parents. Rose told Lyndon and Sylvia that when Adam left, he said, quote, you won't see me for a while. She figured he just left for a walk to clear his head. This made Sylvia nervous and she filed a missing persons report with the Ontario County Sheriff's Department. Now, the sheriff's office takes pride in accepting all missing persons report and will gather information with each. Two days after the report was made on June 18th, Ontario sheriffs went out to the Chase family home to investigate. They started asking questions to see if there were any financial or marital issues. Rose was very cooperative and told the deputies about their argument the day he walked away from their home. The police asked if they could look around and Rose did not hesitate. 
As they searched, the police were looking for any evidence of foul play or clues that could lead them to Adam. The house was old and very cluttered. It was messy and not really organized. There were clothes and trash scattered throughout the home, and it was difficult for police to search the residence for clues. Rose guided them down into the basement. It was dark, damp, and unfinished. There were dead mice littering the floor, and it smelled of dead animals, according to police. But the investigators did not find any clues that would indicate what happened to Adam. So going through this so far, I do have to say there is a couple of notes in this case that definitely hit close to home. Luckily, I'm in a very, you know, healthy marriage now, and we do things to make sure that our relationship stays healthy and stuff like that. But before I met my wife, I definitely had my fair share of unhealthy relationships. And I have been that guy who like gets into an argument. I've probably had this same specific argument with the past girlfriend where it's like, hey, I heard you were kissing somebody else (laughs) and have left the house, like stormed out. And I don't bring anything with me. You know, I used to, I, I don't know if I talked about this before, but there was one girl that I dated that we would just fight so much. I think I looked like someone with like some kind of mental disorder because instead of yelling at you in a fight or like calling you names when I'm angry, I leave. But I say all those things to myself as I'm walking down the street. So I'm just standing in a street <laughs> corner being like, oh, you like one eye open. You know, I'm sure people driving by are like, I don't know if he Who needs change or if he needs to be like, you know, we need to do a welfare check on him or something. But going through, it's just like, man, I'm sure there are so many people who relate to this, you know, and then also the fact that like you just adore your four year old child. That is that is me where I am very introverted. I can count on one hand the number of like friends that well, maybe two hands, the number of friends that I have. You are one of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, but I'm home most of the time. Like I, right. there's a few certain people that I enjoy going to do things with. When I lived in Michigan, it was just my family. Those were the people I like to hang out with. But, you know, now I have people here that I consider my family and, and right. I spend time with them. They're your family. Yeah. I would just like to be here with my daughter. You know what I mean? So there's a lot about Adam that I really relate to. And so I'm very interested to see where this story goes. I'm also very concerned that the entire basement floor was covered with dead mice because it seems like that's something that you could easily clean up, you know? Yeah. I mean, for it to to smell enough like dead animals, like there's got to be enough down there. Yeah. I don't know. I had an unfinished basement in Iowa and like people would talk about bats being in the basement. And I was like, our basement was already kind of creepy because it wasn't finished. And it was just kind of like our landlords stored stuff down there, which was fine because we didn't utilize that space. But I couldn't imagine walking into my basement and just being like stinky. That's just the dead mice smell. You know, I remember like it was already dark and like clammy because it was like concrete and they had like it had the beams to make wall like it had walls. So like, it just needed to be like drywall and insulation yes. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Michigan. So like most of the basements there are finished and we had a, um, a sub pump that would go out. And so like the basement would flood. And if there was clothes on the floor or anything like that, those clothes would get wet and you'd have to like, we had drains, we'd have to squeeze everything into. Mm-hmm. But after that happened, I remember there being a very, it's almost like, um, it's not mold, but it's like a standing water smell. It's a very distinct, smell and yeah I know what you're talking about yeah it would last for a while until it kind of aired out but that's what it made me think of was like walking down the stairs and being hit with that smell which I'm sure is nothing near you know a bunch of dead mice or dead animals in your basement but it's just like 
it's a it's a smell that I think I will remember until the day that I die. Like when I smell it, it like takes me back to being like 15 and living in the basement and being like, everything is so wet. It's just wet and like it's like not it's not mold. It's like mildew, like just the I don't know. I know what you mean. Yeah, we had a laundry room in the basement where it's like you just threw your clothes in there. And then when it was time to do laundry, you would just pick everything up, throw in the. But when it when it would kind of backfill and flood, all those clothes would get wet. And so it's just that like, yeah, it's a very distinct smell. But anyway, I digress. It was just as we were going through, I was like, man, I really I'm connecting with this guy and I'm I feel like things aren't going to be good for him. And so I'm like kind of I'm emotionally invested. So I'm interested to see where (laughs) it goes. The media held multiple press conferences with the Chase family. Lyndon and Sylvia pled for anyone to come forward with information on their son. Rose was present for all of the conferences. She was mostly quiet but tearful. Now on June 16th, Assistant DA Heather Hines was now involved in the case. She questioned Rose, and Rose told Hines the same story. Adam had confronted her about the photo. Rose told Adam it was her gay friend and that the kiss meant nothing. She claimed that Adam got upset, punched the wall, and stormed out of the house. By June 18th, Adam had been missing for four days. At this point, the police and the community started to search the woods and farmland. They did grid searches, canine searches, and searched around their home. Detectives knew this would be a challenge as Ontario County was made up of vast farmland. They needed to figure out more about Adam and why he would just leave his wife and son behind. Detectives began questioning his co-workers, his family, and wife. They learned that Adam had a history of depression and had withdrawn himself in the past. Police grew confused as there was no reason for Adam to not come home. He had left everything but his cell phone behind, and there were no transactions on credit cards or bank accounts. He didn't have many friends, and the only real place to escape would be his parents. On June 19th, Sylvia and one of Adam's sisters received a text message from Adam claiming he was staying with a friend and that he just needed time to think. This encouraged Sylvia and Lyndon to take to the media again. This time they pleaded for Adam to come home. Rose again was in attendance but remained quiet. Police were eventually able to get a warrant and were able to locate cell phone pings. The two traces led to another town not too far away. With this new lead, detectives scoured the area. The highest priority was to assess surveillance footage to see if they could catch Adam on camera. But sadly, this was another dead end, and Adam's phone would eventually die. The Chase family grew increasingly frustrated. They felt that the sheriff's department was not doing everything that they could. Authorities believed that Rose was being cooperative. But Sylvia told police that she felt Rose may be involved, but the feeling wasn't mutual. She felt that someone must have Adam's phone. It was not like him to text often. He would normally call to check in with his parents several times a week. Now, two weeks had passed since Adam had been missing when Rodney Miller, a close friend of Lyndon and Sylvia, visited the couple. During this visit, Miller suggested that he felt that Adam was dead and he did not believe he was missing. Lyndon and Sylvia quickly agreed. You see, Rodney Miller was a former private investigator. And in July 2012, Miller started his own investigation. He saw the picture of Rose kissing the man in the park and started to answer some questions for the Chase family. Adam and Rose's marriage was rocky. 
She had had a history of infidelity in the past, claiming that Adam gave all of his attention to video games. Miller discovered that the man in the picture was a co-worker of Rose's named Mark. And in fact, Mark was not gay as Rose had claimed. So Miller decided to speak with Adam's wife. He first visited Rose on July 4th, 2012. She met him in the yard where the two just sat and talked on the porch. Miller told Rose why he was there. He recalled her being distracted, staring at a window to the basement. When he began asking questions, she quickly snapped back saying, he walked out of the house. I'm sorry, I didn't see which way he went. Now, this encounter raised some red flags for Miller. He immediately went to the sheriff's office stating that he did not believe Adam ever left the house. However, the detectives had a different theory. They told Miller that they believed Adam committed suicide and would likely be discovered in the woods. But Miller did not agree. Now he, the community, and the police continued to search, combing the woods, creeks, ponds, and the local landfill. Again, nothing. Eventually, Miller told the Chase family about the man in the photo, and it was then they received some shocking information. Their four-year-old grandson told his grandparents that mommy had a boyfriend that lives with them. Now this infuriated the Chases. Now sometime later in July, Miller returned back to Rose and Adam's house. This time he asked to go inside. To Miller's surprise, Mark was sitting on the couch. Rose was cooperative and walked him through the house. When the pair reached the basement, Miller recalled smelling a foul odor when he reached the third step, the smell of decaying flesh. But again, Rose blamed it on all the dead mice. Miller searched around, but there was no sign of Adam. He told police about Mark being in the home, and he was quickly brought in for questioning. Mark took an inconclusive lie detector test, but police did not have any suspicion that he was involved with Adam's disappearance. Now, by November 2012, police and Miller had both come to a dead end. There were no more leads, and Miller felt that he needed to take a step back from the case for a moment. Family continued to search, holding another press conference to address the public. But this time, the story was different. The Chase family shared that they believed Adam was dead. They also shared that they believed that his wife, Rose, was involved. This shocked the community and sparked Miller to continue investigating. Miller felt the same as the Chase family, but believed he was out of options. That was until he tracked down Tristan's babysitter, Sandy Armisen. Miller introduced himself to Sandy and asked if she would help him with something. He knew Sandy would see Rose when she came to pick up Tristan at school. Miller's plan was to have Sandy ask her if she heard about the break in the case. She was also to ask Rose if she knew that the police were planning to make an arrest and charge someone with murder. After Rose left, Sandy would call Miller immediately. Sandy agreed. Later, when Rose arrived, she was late to pick up Tristan. She joked with Sandy, and Sandy said it was okay. She figured that she was late because she had heard about the break in the case. Sandy told Miller that after she mentioned the possible arrest, Rose turned pale and seemed instantly on edge. Now, this kind of ruse is illegal for detectives to do, but remember, Miller was a private investigator and not affiliated with the Ontario Sheriff's Office. Miller rushed to meet Rose at her home. She greeted him outside, and the two again sat on the steps. Miller told Rose that he had news she was not going to like. And according to the private investigator, Rose began shaking. He told Rose that enough was enough and she needed to tell him where Adam was buried. And it was then that Rose made a startling admission. I didn't bury him, she said. I burned him. 
Shocked, Miller immediately called police and Rose was quickly arrested. This time, the interview was a little different. Rose told a similar story as before. The couple were arguing at the top of the stairs and it got heated. And at some point, they began pushing each other. She claimed that Adam lost his footing and fell to the bottom of the stairs. At that point, he was unconscious but not dead. Rose then dragged his body through the house and pushed him down the basement stairs. She then proceeded to drag him to the back corner and cover him with a blue inflatable child's pool. Shocked, police asked where Adam's body was located on the night they searched the house. Rose replied, in the basement. Continuing her heinous story, she shared that she left Adam's body to decompose in the basement for about six weeks before she removed his remains. When asked if she dismembered her husband, she told police that his body just fell apart. She placed his remains in trash bags before loading him in the car and driving to her mother's house. She told police that she burned him because he wanted to be cremated. Rose also shared that she had poured a bottle of Jägermeister on him before lighting him on fire because it was his favorite drink. Detectives were mortified by what they were hearing. They then drove Rose to her mother's to evaluate the crime scene. When asked where his remains were, she nonchalantly pointed to a metal trash can and said, he's in there. Rose Chase was charged with second-degree murder and one count of tampering with evidence. Eventually, the case would go to trial, and it lasted about two weeks. The defense claimed his fall was an accident and that his death was not intentional. Rose did not make a plea deal. Her public-appointed defense team told the courtroom that prior to this accident, Rose lived an ordinary life. She had no criminal history, and they described her as a hardworking mom who provided for her family. Arguing that, quote, she wasn't a bad person, she was a regular person, I ask you not to judge her based on one incident, but on a lifetime. The jury found Rose Chase guilty on both counts. She was sentenced to 24 years to life and is currently serving her time in Bedford Hill Correctional Facility. She will be eligible for parole in 2036. As for Adam and Rose's son, Tristan, Lyndon and Sylvia were granted full custody. So that's this week's case, John. Tell me what you're thinking. Is it still relatable? Really what I'm thinking about is this child. I'm thinking about Tristan, who has lost his father, now his mother's in prison, and just being that age, you know, having a a four-year-old. It's just, you know, when my grandmother passed away, I had to explain what happened to her and kind of, you know, it's not, it's just not, yeah, I took her for ice cream because I was like, maybe it'll soften the blow a little bit, you know, like try to make it easier. She had actually only met my grandmother once, but she knew it was supposed to be something that was heavy. And so like she put her head down. She said, we just, we had so many good memories together. And I was like, well, like, you know, you really, but it's just a child trying to wrap their head around that. So it's hard enough. Like when a grandparent has passed away or like heaven forbid, like a pet passes away and you have to try to explain what happened. You know what I mean? Just thinking about having to explain that mom killed dad, left his body in the basement for six weeks and that his body just fell apart and then new boyfriend moved in, you know, it's just it's a lot to take in. Yeah. You know, he was four in 2012. So he would be how old now? Like 15. Yeah. So like this age, just like really grappling with, Oh, like this is what happened in my life. Yeah. Now he's like at the age where he can start to understand, like I came from someone who was able to do something like that. To my dad, her husband. And just so thankful, though, that Adam's parents 
were relentless in being mm-hmm. like, we're going to find out what happened and that they were there for their grandson. And I mean, Miller is a genius to be mm-hmm. like that whole setup. Cause I'm sure like once you feel like you're cornered, you know, it's just like, okay, this is what I did. And it's got to feel like a weight off of your shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, I wonder what would have happened if the babysitter would have been like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not comfortable doing that. How long do you think this would have gone on? I don't think it would have lasted very long. But the thing that's so shocking is they went into the home, looked into the basement and did not lift up that pool. They just moved on. 100%. And, you know, I have to say, we talk about the great work that detectives do all the time on this podcast. I mean, especially the ones when we do these cold cases and detectives who have just never given up and they work and work and work until these cases are closed. But as we were going through this, I was like, is this Mayberry? what is going on with these police where it's just like, no, he probably just killed himself. We'll find him. You know, he'll turn up somewhere. Yeah. No big deal. I don't know if she was just very convincing in her story or if it was, you know, they, they just didn't have any reason to suspect her. But even if you're telling me it's mice and I can see that there's mice on the floor, like I would like to imagine if I was an officer, I would say like, we're going to do a thorough search. Like let's look for stuff. I mean, there are photos around of, of the house that, I mean, it's not as like hoarding buried alive that TV show, but it's it was pretty messy and filthy. So, I mean, like we can sit here and I can sit here and be like, I mean, they didn't even lift up the blue pool, but like there's no telling what other kind of junk was really down there and how crowded it actually was. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I just I don't know. I think it was a combination of things as we went through the story where it's like they didn't look for the pool. They didn't listen to Miller. You know, mm-hmm. they were like, no, we don't have any reason to suspect Rose. He committed suicide. Like, yeah, they didn't want it to be a homicide. And so, so I, I was like, what in the name of Barney Fife is going on? And for our older listeners, they'll definitely get the Andy Griffith reference. But <laughs> it's, you know, I was just like, what is happening here? This is not how this is supposed to be done. And so it was just, you know, like I said, he was down there for six weeks. Like this, this family could have gotten closure so much more quickly, you know, and also like. You lied about what happened, like where he went. The whole story was fabricated. So how can I believe you that the story you're telling me now where he fell down the stairs? How can I believe that that's true? Because everything else you've told me about this has been a lie, you know? Yeah. I mean, nothing about her story was true. And again, like you said, you can't. Why would I believe what you're saying if you lied about the whole thing? Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we talk about all the time, but I just think that there's details that we want to know. That we'll never know. Yeah, we're just never going to know. You know, but if we're talking deadbolt test, is it okay if I let you know where this is for me? Yeah, let's go. I'm putting in an eight. All and right. I think there's, yeah, a couple of different things. One, it She's is four. a, oh, okay. well, the kid, yes, the kid is definitely mm-hmm. playing a, a big part in that. And I think just with recent events and having those conversations, like that's hit a little close to home. But also we talk about it all the time. It's a wife murdering a husband, right? It's like, I've signed up to spend my life with you. I trust you. I trust you enough to like make another human with you. And at the end of the day, you don't even have enough respect to own up to what happened to me. Like that's a terrifying thought. And again, I don't think this would ever happen, but the thought, the thought of like Kara murdering me and then just leaving me somewhere for six weeks, like I'm like a no big deal, old newspaper or cheeseburger wrapper or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, that is, it's like so disrespectful and and like dehumanizing you know what i mean like it's that's everything a terrible against thought. your vows yeah and like you're supposed to be my person mm-hmm. so again 
I'm in a healthy marriage. Like things are good, but it's just the idea. Really are fine. So it is just the idea that things like that do happen. So for me, I'm stamping this at a hard eight. What about you? Where are you putting it? I'm going to put it at a six. And I think it's more so the details of the crime and the wife killing the husband, leaving him there in the basement for six weeks, like sleeping in your bed that you used to share with your husband, having your four-year-old under the same roof, knowing that your husband is dead on your basement floor for a month and a half. Pretty gross, in my opinion. Am I going to check my locks five times tonight? Probably not. I will do my double check, but you know, it's again where I'm not worried about this person coming into my home and killing me. Um, but it's just the betrayal. And it's like you said, you know, you give vows and this is your person. And it's just heartbreaking that the person you trust and give your heart and soul to can betray you in a way like that. Oh, I definitely agree. And I can't imagine being Lyndon or Sylvia when my grandson is like, mommy's new boyfriend lives at the house. What? Like while my dad is missing is, over an argument. Right. Right. So, you know, what it sounds like to me and again, this is just speculation, but what it sounds like to me is she was done with the relationship, had a little, you know, little side piece and was like, well, I'm, I'm happier here. And we talk about it all the time, but instead of like, I'm going to get a divorce or I'm going to leave this the way that I should, you know, somebody ends up dead and it never, I mean, at least from doing this podcast, it seems like it never works out. I hope it never works out. I hope, you know, people are caught. I'm sure there's instances where it does, which is sad, but yeah, you know. Well, that is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week's episode. Olivia is coming in at a six. I'm giving it an eight. But as always, we have to throw it to the locksmiths. Where does the murder of Adam Chase fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter. Check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you. Olivia, after this dysfunctional tale, I feel like my heart has been decaying for six weeks i need a five-star review what do you got for us give me something good yeah so this week's kind of ties in with the case where we got another family affair because this week's five-star review comes from good luck ashley and she said my sister hey casey's face sent me this because of the ashley Pittman scott case since we lived in cordova not long before the case and we both love olivia Now I'm obsessed. I listen while I work and anytime I'm in the car. Thanks for making slow times for me a thousand times better. So good luck, Ashley. Let us know who you are other than Casey's face. But thank you, Casey's face, for telling your sister about our podcast. Yes. Good luck, Ashley. Thank you so much. I'm just going to go ahead and assume your name is Ashley. It'd be really weird (laughs) if it was like Sarah and you were like, no. No, but it's Ashley. Ashley. But Ashley, thank you for taking the time to leave that review I love Olivia as well. So I definitely get where you're coming from. We really, really appreciate it. We would love to send you some stuff again, hook you up, hook the family up. We really appreciate this podcast being a family affair. So reach out to us again. You can find us on Instagram, check the locks pod, find us on Twitter, check the locks. If you're in our Facebook group, slide into our DMS, let us know. We would love to get some stuff sent out to you that way. We got some stickers, some buttons, all sorts of stuff that we would love to get out in the mail to you. And Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that? They need to go to the Apple Podcast app, scroll down on our show's homepage where they see all five stars, click them all, leave us a little love, tell us what you think about the podcast. And each week, Olivia says it the best, so I don't have to. That's right. Hit up Apple Podcasts. There is a link in the description in the episode that you're listening to now. 
check it out. Hit that link. It'll take you right there. Also, if you listen on Spotify, you can leave comments under specific episodes. We would love to read those as well. So if you are one of our listeners who listens on Spotify, leave us a comment, a note. We would love to read those. Send you some goodies out as well. Or they can leave us a voicemail, John. Yes, you can also leave us a voicemail. We would love to hear your voice. We love playing them. That last one from Kevin was so much fun. Yes. So leave us a voicemail. Check the lockspod.com. Click the little voicemail button. Just say, hey, introduce yourself. We love getting to know people. And we talk about it all the time, but these reviews, they really help us. They get us in front of new listeners. They get us in other shows recommendations. That's going to help us kind of grow our family, our community. And ultimately, that's the only thing that we're looking to do is just help our family to grow. So if you left us a review, thank you so much for doing that. If you haven't, what are you doing? Click the link in the description. We would love to hear from you. And as always, if you would like to financially support Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. We've got a lot of different tiers, exclusive stickers, coffee mics, T-shirts, things you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad free and early. So if you love Check the Locks, but you hate commercials, that is the best way to listen. So if you like what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on, maybe you want to come do one of those Patreon hangouts with us that we just did, head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks, get signed up today. And as always, if you cannot financially support Check the Locks, we definitely understand just listening and sharing this show, sharing what we do with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're telling people to listen, you're letting them know about our weird little podcast, you're sharing what we do with the people that are important to you, just know that we appreciate that more than we could ever tell you. Again, our goal is to get in front of as many listeners as we can to grow our community and our family and that word of mouth, that grassroots effort really makes all the difference. So if you are sharing what we do, just know that we appreciate you so much. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to check the locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Adios. Buenas nochos. <laughs> Buenas nachos. Gordita crunch. 